Hey, what's up, guys? Chad Hermanson here with Mental Edge Training Coach. Welcome back to the show. I have a, an exciting guest for you today, Ron Quintana. Q is what I call him. Q and I met when I was playing in Las Vegas in AAA here out in Vegas with my family. Awesome year. It was actually a year I was I was really just rehabbing and trying to get healthy um, through a torn labrum that I had in my shoulder. And he, uh, we became pretty close as we would do some workouts together when you play catch and throw and all that stuff. But Q is the head baseball coach at Mountain Vista out in Highlands Ranch in Colorado. So Q is my kind of bird dog assistant scout, if you will, when I was scouting with the Angels. So he helped uh, give me a, an extra pair of eyes while we, while I was out scouting for the Angels during that time. So we're going to talk a lot about baseball, of course. We're going to talk about his career how he got into training, uh, what it's like to build a culture, um, not necessarily from the ground up because there's a couple of coaches before him, but creating a culture for 60, 70 guys that are coming in new every year and getting players excited, right, about wanting to get better and perform. So he does a fantastic job out in Mountains Vista. So enjoy this conversation with him. And as always, as a reminder, I'm coaching athletes and parents in their mental and emotional game. I have a new website that you can take a look at where I have information to get signed up with me. So you can go to chadhermansoncoaching.com and there I have an application form for you to fill out. Um, I would encourage a parent to fill out that information, especially if you have a minor as a, as a son or a daughter. So fill that form out, include your name as the parent, your player, what sport they're in, and kind of their struggles that are going through. So you'll just fill out that form. I will text you or call you to get a call set up because I want to learn more about your athlete to see if we would be a good fit uh, if they want to receive coaching, right? Of course, they need to be willing and wanting to have a mental skills slash life coach. And during this whole process too, I'm also coaching the families. Some of my families have two athletes, and I'm actually really enjoying coaching the parents of some of these athletes because it's not necessarily about coaching them about their son or daughter, but a lot of conversation is revolved around the athlete, as you can imagine. So again, go to chadhermansoncoaching.com to fill out that application and enjoy this conversation with Coach Ron Quintana. All right, Ron Quintana. What's up, man? How are we doing today? All right, man. How you doing? I'm good. Do I I don't want to call you Ronald. Do I should I call you Ronald? I see your name down there. Well, like I always say, um, you call me something I've never been called before. I might get offended, but you know, it started uh, <laughs> if you if you grew up with me, it was Ronnie. Right. Uh, high school, college, then I got into Ron, then it got into Q. Q. And then now yep. it's Coach Q. So Coach Q. Yeah. Uh, it's just developed. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're known as Q to me. So so Ron and I met in AAA with the Dodgers organization. You were our, our strength coach, and yes. I got to live at home playing for the fifty ones at the time at at the old Cashman Field. And uh, man, what a what a beautiful place that was, huh? Oh, I I loved it. It was hot, <laughs> but that's what you want for a baseball player, right? I mean, I live in Colorado right now, and it it rained and little snow flurries and we have a game today. So I'm yeah. a little nervous if we're going to get it in or not. So yeah. I would take the Las Vegas weather over this any day. 
Yeah, no, I, I guess I, in, in reference to Cashman Field, right? Oh, where... Yes. <laughs> well, aren't they building a new one now, possibly? The A's oh, well, yeah. The, so they they have we have a new AAA field that the oh. that's been a few years now. The ballpark, which is just amazing, it's really yeah. awesome. And then, of course, the news of the A's coming to town here. So Vegas is hopping with all these professional teams. It's pretty cool. It should. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, Adam, all, all four major sports. In <laughs> That's and right. It's nice, too, because the Raiders and the Broncos. Yeah. You know, nice little vacation. Yeah. I'm assuming you're a huge Broncos fan. I am. Right. We've been struggling. So. Well, you got Russell Wilson, man. You guys are set. Yeah. There's always a reason they're – you know, other teams get rid of players. <laughs> but well, a whole other story, right? Yeah, it's a, that can be another hour. All other story. Well, good, man. Well, I'm excited. So you, you we met AAA. You were my bird dog scout, kind of associate scout in Colorado for a little while. Um, you're now out at Mountain Vista High School in, in Colorado. Highlands Ranch. Yes, south right? of Denver. South of Denver, like in a very, very beautiful area out there. I, I loved I went out there a few times and saw you. But before all of that, you had a you actually had a baseball career. You were a baseball player. I did. I mean, it's yeah. I, I always tell people you had those shirts back in the day that was baseball's life. And yeah. It it for me, yes. Um it, you know, baseball took me places that I probably would have never gone or you know, seen or met you, you know, all around the world. So uh yeah, baseball, you know, high school career. Um, I was a three sport athlete. Um, all state and football, all state and baseball. I uh, was fortunate to get some scholarships. Uh, started out at Crowder Junior College um, in Neosho, my hometown. <clears throat> I've known the coach, Gary Roark, my whole life. He's actually a Colorado guy. Uh, played with his son in high school, so he was able to watch me quite a few, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, had other offers, um, just financially, it fit to stay home. Played a good junior college, get two years in, play a lot of baseball. And then I signed with Dave Van Horn when he was at Northwestern State. Um, from Crowder, went down to Louisiana, Natchitoches, Louisiana. I don't know if Man. you remember the movie Still Magnolias. But it was oh. shot, and that's their claim to fame. <clears throat> I, I, um, I can say I've not seen Still Magnolias. But you should. I've seen a lot of movies, but I haven't yeah. seen them yet. It's a good movie. Watch with your wife. Okay, yeah, not by yourself, but probably yeah. a you know a good date night movie. My wife would be like, "What what's happening here? What's yeah. going on?" So that was their claim to th- fame, you know. Uh, two years there um, under v- Dave Van Horn, and you know when I was done playing, I had an option to go play some independent ball. Mm-hmm. I was doing the math and the money and travel. <laughs> you know, I I decided I made the correct decision and going back and getting my degree. And, um, and while I was uh, sitting at a restaurant, guy was pulled up a seat next to me, and we started talking, and he happened to be the new strength coach. And he was from Springfield, Missouri, so small world. Mm. And we start talking, and, you know, I love baseball. I love working out. Why not? It was a great fit. Yeah. So uh, I was a strength coach at Northwestern State for a year and a half. And going starting the second year, it's about the same time, low A, everything was getting ready to kick off. And Chris Millfield, which actually coached at Maplewood's Junior College, which we played in Kansas City, so small world once again, uh, was calling around uh, looking for baseball guys in strength conditioning. Mm-hmm. And um, Sean McCann was our pitching coach from 
Missouri. That's um, after Van Horn left for Nebraska, him, Childers, uh, John Cohen was our head coach. Got the job, brought Sean with him from Missouri and was asking for guys. And he goes, well, Ron Quintana, he goes, well, hold up. I know him. <laughs> uh, that was a Wednesday. Background check on a Thursday. I flew out on a Friday to Yakima, Washington uh, yeah. uh, for min, uh, what, mini camp. So it was just it happened that fast. See my pants right there at that point. Like, how okay. old were you at this point? Oh man, I think I was twenty-two. So you're just so a baby, 20. baby getting out of college. It, oh, dream, you know, hey Dodgers. Okay, let's go. You know, I, I'm going to make it somehow. If I'm not out of as a player, I'll make it as a strength coach. Uh, so I went to Yakima. Ended up in um, Great Falls, Montana. It was my first season, and. From there, just kind of moved up the ranks, um, earned the trust of Millfield, and then I, his name, I'm trying to think of his name, the head guy, uh, earned their trust. And so I kind of went where there was the prospects, you know, where uh, we had a lot of money with the Dodgers. So to work with them, just watch them uh, on and off the field, make their, make sure they're getting ready because they're going to get called up. Um, went from – Great Falls to Vero Beach, home, you know, spring training home. Two years there, then I went out to Vegas, and that's where we met. I spent two years out there, and then we had a, a group of prospects coming up. Your James Loney's, your Russell Martins, Chen Feng Chen, all those guys. <clears throat> Sean Kemp, that not Sean Kemp, Matt Kemp. Sean Kemp played basketball. That's right. But uh, not he's not – Right now, not doing very well. <laughs> Some news, <laughs> bad news on him. But I uh, went back to Jacksonville uh, for the Jacksonville Suns, the double-A team. Mm-hmm. We had, it, was, it was prospects everywhere. So it was a lot of uh, making sure they're doing the right things on and off the field, make sure they're staying healthy, you know. And from there, there was that transition. Do I, I, I want to move up and be a coordinator? And about that time, I'm pretty sure they made a manager's change. And as you yeah. know, when they make changes, it rolls downhill and everybody gets affected. So uh, I was let go just because they were making changes, nothing that I did. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a good time to get out and start another chapter of my life and got into strength and conditioning off the field and personal training. Um, but something was missing. Don't know. What it was, couldn't figure it out. Living on a beach, personal training. Thought I had it made, but something was missing. And and at that time, I made a call to my brother that lived in Denver. And we were talking a little bit. And I decided to make the move to Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't regret it. Love every second of it. You know, um, my two beautiful kids. Um, and then I, so I was kind of getting into the, Colorado scene trying to figure out what I wanted to do there Uh, my cousin got me a job as an in-house sub at a school I started the football program the strength program school store it was a small uh, charter school Mm -hmm. and about four years in I had the itch to get back into baseball I looked on uh, Chassa to see if there's any job openings Mountain Vista was one of them not knowing the schools the athletic director at that point was like that's a good school Mm -hmm. I said well I'm gonna apply and the first words out of his mouth was, you won't get it. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
you see my resume? I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> right. Uh, and he goes, well, you're not a Colorado guy. I was like, I don't know what that means, but don't they want baseball guys? And somehow I beat out two guys that I coach against now. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on my 13th season as head coach of Mountain Vista. Yeah, that's that's amazing. So it's interesting. Yeah. Journey. And that's that's interesting that he said you won't make it because yeah. that's that's very common, right? Where I, I'm assuming school districts or athletic directors, they want to hire people they're very comfortable with, they're familiar with, that maybe homegrown. There might be yeah. a lot of different reasons. Um but I want to back up just a little bit. So when you were training in the Dodgers organization, you you dropped some names there that many people would know, Matt Camp, all these guys. Was there anybody that you got close to or um, that really kind of, I guess, took to your training? You know, tr- it's a little bit different than Miley's. You're kind of on your own, but there's also plans. Um, sometimes you're forced to go lift, you know, depending on. <laughs> you get fined if you don't. You get fined if you don't lift, right? And um anybody that you like really got close to and, and got up to the Dodgers and did really well um John Shoemaker one of the managers he's been lifetimer with the Dodgers I still stay in contact with him if I take my team we go out to Arizona quite a bit mm-hmm. I usually make a phone call we'll go visit or him and I will go grab dinner or something uh, player wise I know David Ross and I were close until he got big time uh you know he's kind of hard to get hold of now but yeah uh, I mean, there was a lot of players, um, the training staff, obviously, cause we worked close together. Uh, we do keep contact, um, uh, field crew guys. Uh, we had a guy from Jacksonville, Ed, um, Atella, um, called me three weeks ago. He's now in Albuquerque and he drove up for a concert <laughs> and uh, called and said, you're still in Colorado. And we met up. So I think you build relationships with a lot of people cause you're involved with a bunch yeah. of people. You know, managers, coaches, uh, players that, you know, if I'm being honest, watching David Ross play, I would have never thought he would end up with the career that he had, which was awesome for him. And, you know, you're proud of that, too, because you you feel like you had a part of it, whether you did or not. But you were there. You helped him. You did this little things for him Mm -hmm. because that's that's what our job was. Right. You know, we the trainer and myself and you could probably. talk about this too but the trainers and the strength coaches are usually the two guys you go and talk to a lot you know and there's things that you tell us that we keep unless it affects your game you know and that's what one of the lessons that I learned early is you know if something's bothering a player don't say anything until you need to you know Uh some of these players they're getting paid and this is their life you know this is their life and they want to make it to the big league so you do everything possible as a strength coach and a trainer to keep them healthy and keep them on the field and things happen. You know, you can't control injuries. They're all, they're going to happen. You know, you just try yeah. to prevent them. And I think that's where you build those relationships with players, you know, Ricky bell, um, you know, one, one of my favorites um, we play in Cincinnati, our high school in summer, we go out in Cincinnati and we, I make a phone call, you know, usually I have everybody listed and wherever I'm going, I make a phone call and run into somebody. Um, but I know you asked me before, like a funny story. And I was trying to think, I was like, there's some that are inappropriate. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of those actually, but, uh, Travis easy. I don't know if you remember him, but he came in as a rookie and I was at great falls and I I'm just fresh out of college, you know? So I'm still in there swinging with the pitchers and doing everything. And Travis easy showed up he was a kid out of the inner city of Baltimore. Mm. 
And, you know, the rookies, everybody's signing, they're starting to come in. So you're doing physicals and you don't know, you don't know yet until you get on the field. Well, I've seen most of them at mini camp, but then the new guys, you, you don't know. And he comes in and he is uh, taking BP and he doesn't touch a ball. And, BP. and I'm, and I'm yeah, during BP, his first BP session. And so I'm standing behind the turtle and I'm just watching and I'm like, this guy got drafted. I just took one over the, you know, off the, off the wall. I'm going deep. I'm like, man, I can still play. He comes back around and, you know, that trust again, he comes up and he's in tears. He goes, I can't do this. I'm like, dude, (laughs) this is easy. I'm like, till they're throwing 90 and balls moving everywhere. I was like, good luck. Right. So your, your question, like, why is he, well, the next round, I said, just put a bunt down and run it out during BP. Let's just see. He puts a bunt down, and he's like a three, four, one, three, uh, something. Down. I go, it's right. crazy oh, okay. speed. Yeah. I got it. That's why he got drafted. That's why he got drafted. I see. <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, season goes on. He doesn't have a great season. I move on. I'm, I go to Vero Beach, and he's kind of going through the, the levels, and I see him three or four years later um, in spring training. And this dude is switch hitting and dropping bombs hmm. i'm like who'd you hit with because one i want to pick his brain because mm-hmm. i'm still a baseball guy and i still have coaching in my blood you know in, in the future but i'm like man hmm. um and then let's go shoot i'm old now i'm 45 so this probably about five years ago i'm telling the same story to my coaching staff at the abca and as i'm telling the story we're at the you know the hotel bar and i look over Travis Easy is sitting right there. I go, oh, that's him. <laughs> that's no. the guy I'm talking about. And I look over, he looks at me and he goes, you know, he was he inner city kid from Baltimore, man. He was yeah. he was rough. He's tough. And you know, he didn't take jokes too kindly sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. But um we started talking. I go, remember that day? He goes, Yeah, I was embarrassed. <laughs> I, go, yeah. I was like, I was just telling that story. So that's my one funny that I can think of because yeah. like i said there's other ones i just sure we're, we're a pg podcast yes right? yes exactly <laughs> but yeah right. it was good to see yeah. him be successful and there's a lot of players too you know yeah uh, joel hanrahan i mean made it to the big leagues you know there was a bunch of them that you know you, you didn't know and then all of a sudden it clicked and they had good careers and it yeah. was fun watching them or coming to coors field and going down shaking their hand and and, uh, you know, congratulating them and everything. And you run into him. And Travis Easy is now a scout. And I run into him everywhere. Mm. I was We uh, we lost last year. We got knocked out of the playoffs for the first time in six years. And so um, my wife and I, we took a trip out to Grand Junction because Crowder was playing in the World Series. Guess who I ran into? Travis Easy. <laughs> I'm like, dude, everywhere now. That's interesting, yeah. <laughs> so that, that's a good, you know, fun story. No, that's awesome. No, it's it's yeah, you're right. It's it's incredible who you meet. And you mentioned Ricky Bell, for those that don't know, um, is the what you got Buddy Bell. He's I the youngest of the three sons. Young, of, youngest of all the Bells, youngest yeah. of Buddy Bell's sons. Yeah. So yeah, there's a um what are the other ones? I'm dry, I'm dry. I, I was trying uh, to think of them as well. Well Bell Bell for uh managing the Reds. Yes. Man, I can't think of it. Yeah. So you got to get those names right. But, but yeah, no, that's awesome. So you, you, David Bell, David Bell. Thank you. It was one of them. David Bell. Yeah. 
Um, so now you're, you're, you're in Colorado, you've been with 13 years now, you're, you've built this program to one of the better programs. Hold on one second. That's the beauty of doing podcasts from home. You got kids coming home from school and they start playing the piano and making noise. I kicked, I kicked my wife into the bedroom. I got, you got to go. You got to go. Um, so you're 13 years, you're at Mountain Vista. Um, I, I When I was scouting with the Angels, I first started out with, I had uh, basically all of Nevada, Utah, and Colorado. And I was like, dude, like, I'm going to have Ron be my, you know, you have your bird dog scouts, your associate right. scouts and try to, you try to get just an extra pair of eyes out there. And, and uh, so I called you up, said, Hey dude, I think I made sure I was like, you're not scout for anybody, right? Or like bird dog yeah. for anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so brought you on and, um, and obviously Colorado has had some great players come out of Colorado, but it's also, because of maybe the climate, whatever the reasons are, it is difficult to draft kids out of high school. Typically they have to go on to college at times. And um, even though of course there's been some, but let's talk about your program that you've ba- you've built from basically into a pretty, pretty very solid program here. Tell us about what that's like for you and what your process has been there. I think when I took over, um, you know, there's a, uh... I'm the third head coach in school history. The one started the, you know, the schools, I think we're 21 years old. Mm. Um, Keith Wall started it, came in, was a teacher, you know, and they had a little bit of success here and there, just like a typical high school. Every four years you have that group. Um, and then Goldsberry was an assistant at Cherry Creek and then came over because he, at that time, I think Mark Johnson was 70 years old then. He's still still coaching. I think he's 50 years in now and, you know, he don't see him retiring. Into- I think he's trying to break a record or something, right? He's got. I, I think he's scared of not coaching. Yeah. And what would happen if he didn't yeah. have baseball. So <laughs> he just keeps going. So Goldsberry came in for three years and then took an athletic director position over at Cherry Creek. And that's when I came in, I had two returning starters. Uh, I had a summer program. That's what, right when I uh, was hired went right into summer ball. So I had a group, uh, lost some of my dudes cause I didn't know what was going on. So I didn't get to see them play, but what I did see play is we needed to learn the game of baseball. You know, I, uh, under Gary Roark, we had a diary, not a diary, but kind of a journal. And yeah. we had to know everything. We, we had an 80 question test in order to get your Jersey. So you had to know every situation where everybody was going. And that's kind of what I grew up on is learning the game of baseball. And I started off, you know, my first year that summer and the fall, I kept telling them, we're going to learn the game. We're going to learn the game of baseball and we're going to be better. And you're going to have to trust the process, just like everybody says. And, you know, it's, you know, I get asked all the time, like, how did you build the culture? And I think the culture is you, Mm. you know, a lot of these teams and these players, they kind to feed off the coach and they, kind of adapt and become like a second hand of the coach, you know, and I'm a very aggressive, do the little things, you know, my first three years, this is how you're wearing the uniform. This is what we're wearing. This is what we're doing. This is how you do it. And I had to stick with it. You know, as a strength coach, I came in and they lifted two weeks out of the year. I'm like, that's not going to work for me. <laughs> why, uh, why, so why you, you, try? Call that lift, you call that lifting. I call that, uh, 
something to do for two weeks because you're bored. Right. Uh, so, you know, I implemented the weights and I had 30 kids show up and I have four levels. So I usually have 65, 70 kids in the program, about 90 try out. So I was like 30. Okay. How am I going to get these 30? So my first year I had a kid named Tommy Clothier, uh, great baseball instincts, you know, knew the game, uh, was, was talented, but you know, in Colorado, you're talented as average everywhere else. But he got a scholarship to Creighton. So I had one year with him, and I wish I'd have had four because mm. the kid was a gamer. You know, it was one of those kids that I'm going to move the inf- uh, move the infield or position him, and he's already doing it. You know, one of those guys. And um, working out, he couldn't bench his weight. You know, these guys were raw. And he ends up getting a scholarship to Creighton. And he decides to go out to Creighton, out, out to Nebraska, and work with the strength coach, take a class, and play ball out there for the summer. Mm-hmm. He comes back jacked. I mean, he's – I'm like, okay. You know, as a strength coach, you're like, okay. Did some work. Yeah. And he's repping out pull-ups, which he couldn't do one when he was here. And he's doing three sets of ten, you know, and all the kids are looking – and as a head coach, you have those kids throughout your years, if you're doing this long enough, that change the program. Mm-hmm. You know, and for us, um, I always, I'm a huge rock fan, love the rock. You know, he always talks about clanging and banging, and if things mm-hmm. go wrong, you can always get in the weight room. And I kind of took that approach as we're going to get bigger, faster, stronger. Right. We need to. Um, so when he came back, he worked out with us in the fall, and I said, do you mind talking to the players? He goes, I don't have no, no problem. And all he said was, listen, because they, they knew him and they knew how weak he was, you know, when he left and he came back and he was jacked and everybody's like, holy cow. And yeah. ever since then, I've had 70 to 80 kids in the weight room. Uh, we're a big school of 2,300. So uh, football program wasn't as good at, at one point. And I had, think I had more baseball players than they had football. Wow. And so we kind of ran, we owned the weight room, you know, we, we were in there all the time. We, you know, and then we fast forward two years and I'm talking about the weight room. Cause I, I felt like that's what we're, our program was built, you know, with some other things, culture wise on the field, learning the game and carrying yourself the right way and playing hard, sprinting on off the field. But with the weight room, we kind of got in there and that was where I had two players, Will Dixon and Mark Mumford. I think you remember you were out around those times you know, Mark is now with the Indians as an infield uh, coordinator. Will Dixon was a head coach out of Grand Junction and ended up now he's uh, got a big boy job and got a kid. And I think his wife's an assistant basketball coach at uh, Colorado Mesa. But mm. those two guys, we had a chance. We made the playoffs and we had a chance to make a run. We just fell short because we hadn't been there before. So we got nervous, got scared. Yeah, lights, lights got brighter, you know. And those two as sophomores said we wanted to have a team meeting. So from that team meeting is when we started morning workouts, mm. you know, because we didn't want to take away from fall baseball and doing stuff. So that's when morning 6 a.m. workouts started. It wasn't me. It was them. And from then on, I've had 70 to 80 kids every morning at 6 a.m. working out in the fall, which now they call beast mode phase. Yeah. They get bigger, faster, stronger. And I think yeah. that's where a lot of high schools uh, I know in Colorado, I can't speak for everybody else across the country, but that's where I tried to take the college atmosphere 
whatever they're doing in college, we're going to do at the high school. Why not? One of my goals is I'm going to run Mountain Vista as a small college or a small JUCO. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we do sports psychology. We do lifting. We do, if they do it at the high school level, we're going to do it here at the high or at the college level. We're going to do it down here at the high school level. And that's where it kind of started, you know, and now, you know, people are afraid of change. You know, they get intimidated. I'm not a small dude, um, you know, so pretty hardcore. And so we, they bought in and we jumped right in and here we go. And I'm doing my research and getting all these workouts and talking to big time guys and they bought in, you yeah. know, and, yeah. um, when that class was seniors, everybody in the state was like, Holy, these dudes are huge, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think high school coaches, forget about that, whether, you know, they're just a teacher or out of the building or whatever it is. Um, they just don't do it. You know, they start winter workouts or lifting and in, in the winter workouts in December or January. I'm like, you're missing a whole opportunity. Yeah. You know, cause when your kids leave you, that's what they're going to do at college. You know, as soon as I step foot in the fall camp on a fall in the fall on a campus, they're going to start lifting and doing individual workouts. So that's kind of where we started it. Cause that's what I knew coming in. Like we need to get bigger, faster, stronger, and it's still in my blood. Here we go. Yep. And the other stuff would take care of itself, you know? Uh, so that's kind of where I, I tell everybody our culture started. We own 6am. We own the weight room. You know, you watch that movie Friday night lights and Billy Bob, he gets all, he gets mad because the guys are flexing or whatever. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm flexing in there with them. We're flexing, you know, <laughs> sun's out, guns out, let's go, you know, right. so, stuff like that. And I think that's where the culture started mm-hmm. with the discipline and the structure of the morning workouts. And, you know, the players buying in. Yeah. You know, they saw, they, they saw the results. They felt it, you know, they could see it visually. Um, parents started to see it and you get pushback from parents because it's change. This is new. What are we doing? This is hardcore. This is too much. Well, and, and they have to drive them probably to oh, the, well, to the- Juniors and seniors. It was a freshman, sophomore, mommies and dads. They're like, wait, I got to get up for two years. Wait a minute. (laughs) So I, I truly believe that's where our culture started. Uh, And, you know, everything started to go in a direction where we were successful. You know, we were my first six years. And I know this because, you know, as coaches, you look, and then I had an uh, opportunity to talk at our local coaching clinic. And it was like, I'm 12 years in. What did I do my first six years? Oh, that year is when I changed my hitting philosophy, this, 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 and this. Because the first six years, we were knocking on the door. We made it to Final Fours. We just couldn't get over the hump. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And then the last six years, we've been one of the most successful teams in the state. Um, and it's sometimes you got to look in the mirror when you're banging on the door of a state championship. I took it personal and I looked myself in the mirror. I was like, what am I not doing? Yeah, you know, dug in, did a little research, and had an old teammate from uh, New Hampshire called me up out of the blue. His name's Adam Wright, but we call him Bobo. It's a long story about that, but he uh, first words out of his mouth is, "What's your attack angle? What's your guys' launch angle? What do you guys do there?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" You know, I was a swing down guy, swing down. That's what I was taught all my life, and. So with me, with anything I do, I, I, once I get 
digging, I go down that rabbit hole. And uh, after my sixth year that summer, we changed our hitting philosophy and our base running philosophy. And I wanted our overall philosophy being, let's see, let these athletes be athletes mm-hmm. in high school. So you tell know. me about that part of it. So you changed the hitting philosophy. What did you, what did you start at and what did you go to? So I went into the hitting I started digging into the launch angle and I realized we live in Colorado that the ball travels far, that we don't really have to get to a certain launch angle. And launch angle has been around for a hundred years. They just labeled it, put a name <laughs> to it, you know, and, and if you get to the proper hitting position, um, like I you know, I use the foundation, our hitting philosophy is the foundation. Everything comes from the ground up and we hit the lower half hard. And then we just changed a few things, you know, with the style and how we attack the baseball. And I still have guys. I have a guy on my team right now, a nine hole. Dude, you just, you got to hit the ball down. You got to swing. You're not a launch handle guy. You're, so you're, you're, still, you're still picking your guys on who's utilizing that type right. of We're not cookie cutter. And if anything, cookie cutter hitting wise, it's our lower half. Mm-hmm. You know, I want, I want to be able to, someone to walk up, say yourself, walk up, a, you know, former big league guy. Oh, that's a mountain vista guy. Mm-hmm. I can tell by his lower half. You know what kind of do you guys focus on certain drills for the lower half? Give give me we a do or two. one. You know what I find uh, working with. You know we have a feeder program. I work with youth hitting over at Slammers. I'm a director of hitting at Slammers. I think one of my biggest things is these kids. They don't know how to use their lower half. Yeah. You know you tell them to get in an athletic position and they don't know how to do that. They still stand up straight. They stand straight up, or their butt sink. You know sinks back. They're not in a good you know, 30% uh, hinge position. And this all comes back to the strength conditioning as well. So a lot of our lower half work was a lot of low T. I mean, before they made low T's, we were hitting off Gatorade bottles. Mm. You know, we called it the Beltrade drill. You know, how many times you see Adrian <laughs> Beltrade go do a knee and hit a home run. So we called it that. Um, we wanted to fill their lower half. So now we have a Bellinger drill, you know, their feet together, stride out, pause, feel that, feel that stride, feel that mm. power. Uh, we did a lot of back knee uh, work along with like med ball throws. You know, a lot of guys want to throw the med ball from up here. Well, we come down here because what we go hips, chest, hands, you know, right. our hips, our lower halves, our power. So trying to change that um, was big with the, with the hitting uh, base running. I think I had the stat and we stole 23 bases a year and at that point, we were playing 19 games mm-hmm. in Colorado, which is not a lot of baseball, but 23 stolen bases. And we probably – we had more sack bunts than stolen bases. Wow. Well, after six years, changing the hitting, um, we changed our bunt, uh, base running where to were the moving, um, getting some momentum, timing, and just giving the guys a green light, letting them be athletes. And okay. we average 87.7 stolen bases a year now. And definitely don't sack bunt as much. Mm-hmm. And you got to have the athletes to do it. You know, we have the speed to do it uh, this year, but we also are sack bunting a lot and doing more situational where uh, the teams that you saw, we had power. Mm-hmm. The year we won it in 18, we had 58 home runs and didn't hit a home run our first six games of the season. Mm-hmm. And we stole 123 bags that year. Okay. So a lot of it is being athletes and just causing chaos on the bases, you know, and then you get the question, well, they know we're going to run. I go, awesome. (laughs) 
Because what do they say once you get on base? Hey, mix it up, do that, you know, and then I tell the hitters, get ready. Yeah, that fastball's coming, right? Fastball's coming because they don't want to mess up because they know we're running. So that has changed our game and our, you know, our style. We've, we're uh, averaging 20 wins a season. Uh, since then, we've won two state championships. We've been in the final final eight, six years in a row until last year we got upset. Um, so we're trying to get back to that this year. It's a younger group, you know, not as powerful, even though we hit two home runs yesterday, which was mm. was fun. Um, but, you know, I think it's you have to adapt to what you have and what you know. Right. You know, one of my goals is, you know, knowing every player in my program. I have 68 kids in my program right now. I know every single one of them and I know how they swing. I know how they play. So it's just a matter of how do you fast track your dudes, you know, to get up there. Uh, we have three freshmen on the varsity right now. Um, and our starting rotation is junior, sophomore, junior. So, you know, we're looking good for next year with a bunch of young guys coming up in the pin. Mm. Uh, we got this year. We're not as powerful. Um, we're still still in bases doing what we can, but it's taking that fear out of running, taking that fear of getting thrown out. Okay. So that's kind of the big changes that I've seen in our uh, first six, my first six seasons to my last six. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, you started to, uh, we, we had a call before this to kind of check in and you're like, man, this year, I feel like a psychiatrist, oh. like a psychologist. Tell us a little bit about, cause you have 60 to 70 players every year coming in from freshman to senior, different levels of, I guess, mental capacity, right? Their brains are still growing. They're still right. trying to figure it out. Tell us what that experience is like with working like different age groups and what you help supply for them. Right. You know, like I said before, you know, we, if they're doing it at the college level, we're going to try to do it here. You know, I want my kids prepared on the field and off the field when they go to the next level, because I, you want those college coaches coming back to your school, recruiting more kids. Um, this year I've had to dig deep in my toolbox, man. I, you know, I've talked about it, uh, touched on it a little bit earlier is that, most I've been fortunate in my 13 years that most of the players had my DNA. And this team does not, you know, and it's not that they're not talented. I just think it's where we are in society today. You know, I think we tend to blame and point the finger than being held accountable. And when you're held accountable, it's, it's hard for some of these kids. So as a coach that is very, very aggressive, very, you know, do it the right way, do it this way. Um, I struggled at first, but I had to dig, you know, dig deep in the tool in the toolbox. And we started hitting the mental stuff in January because I kind of knew it was coming. Mm. I, didn't just, I didn't know how bad <laughs> you felt it. Um, <laughs> and I found out very quickly. Um, but I think you have to handle every kid differently. You know, it's like every coach will tell you, you got a kid that you can, you can get on and tell him, say whatever you got to say to get him pumped up and he's, he's ready to go. That's, that's the type of player I was. You could yell at me and tell me I messed up, tell me what to do. And then I did it. Uh, now it's, you got to hug some kids. You got to talk to them like this. You got to lower your voice, you know, and it's not that I'm a yeller. Um, I love the preparation. I love practice more than I love games sometimes because that's where we get to work in. The game should be fun and just go play because you don't want to do too much coaching, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, if a kid's hitting, yeah. you don't want to break a swing down while he's hitting, and then it's then he's really yeah. messed up. So 
Um, you know, as as a head coach, you got to learn sometimes your assistant coaches can say whatever they want. And as a head coach, you can't say the same thing because <laughs> they think you're yelling at them. So right, right. Um, I've done a better job this year of going, okay, you have this group, you have this group, you have this group of guys. And, you know, I still talk and do my thing, but when it comes to a play or a mental mistake or something or a kid having an issue, I'm like, hey, go talk to them. And then if I need to, I'll jump in. Um, you know, delegating more because one, I'm the head coach. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I tend to feel like as head coaches, and sometimes it's true because I've been there before where sometimes you feared the head coach. But back yeah. then it was yeah. because back in the day, they just got on you. You know, you played football, they'll grab your face mask and this, this, and that. And um they don't take I'm very hardcore on the little things. Mm-hmm. I see things that, you know, some of my assistants don't see, you know, and I'm very like, you, you didn't do this. You got to do this. And he takes it as me yelling, you know? So I had to do a better job of kind of stepping back and delegating my position coaches like, Hey, go talk to him. So you might, you might have to be like, Hey, I saw this. Yes. This, the middle infield did this instead of in your standing, say, off to the side instead right. of yelling at them across the like this loud voice you might go well, to sometimes your, you have to yell across yeah, the field but you might go That's, to your infield coach and be like hey i don't know if you saw this but i saw this like you need to go take care of that type thing right or just little things too just not you know uh we always tell our kids you know you go 100 percent, it's baseball things are going to happen you're going to make an error you're going to strike out you're going to whatever it is you see big league guys do it um, you know, I felt that if a kid didn't do something like he didn't run something out or he didn't back up and I went and got, you know, talked to him about it. Example, I had, you know, our two base running rules are take the fear out of getting thrown out and run. Mm-hmm. If you ever hesitate, just shut it down. Well, my player hesitated and then decided to go and was thrown out by five feet. And all I did was what's our rule? Mm-hmm. The parent thought I was yelling. Yeah. I didn't raise my voice. I just said, what's our rule? You know, so learning to adapt to that, but still being me in the same sense. Um, so on that note, just real quick. So I think the frustrating part for coaches, like, well, he, he yelled at my son. Oh, yeah. Who cares? <laughs> like, why, why can't you let your son be disciplined and coached by the coach? Right. Because so, and the reason I bring this up because not only do when we go through coaching athletes, but the parents also need kind of an an awakening of yeah, my son's gonna get yelled at, my daughter's gonna get yelled at, or my the voice is gonna be raised to get a point across. You need to be okay with that parent. You need to allow that to happen because this is the real world, and they know that. Right. Right. These parents know that. It's but, our generation. <laughs> but it's, but that's what like talking to parents and it's almost like you, you need to just let it happen. Like you, they're fine. Like you need to work on what your thoughts and feelings and your emotions are surrounding your little baby getting what you feel is scolded. Like, no, they're right. being talked to or they're being coached. coached. It's called being coached. Right. In, in this setting. Right. So I just, you know, 
it's just interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's tough because you know, um, forty five. I'm I'm old school, and like I said, it's not like I'm a yeller. You know, you get those new coaches that come in, they think, oh, I got to yell because that's what coaching is. It's like, no, yeah, that's my job. I'm I'm the bad guy. You guys are all the good guys. You know, and even we have a coach on my staff, great, great guy, young. And the coaches call him, call me Papa Bear and call him Mama Bear. And he's like, well, bad cop, good cop. Good cop, yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking. <laughs> Papa Bear, Mama Bear. You but know? it's true. Like, there's got to be but some balance somewhere. Right. And it's usually that, like, that's how my high school experience was. My high school coach was very tough and strong. And um, you had some some balance surrounding the assistants, right? And And that's kind of the, like, you, you were have saying, to make it work. Someone's got to be that guy. Right. right. Every everyone can't be the more softer, timid guy. Uh, there's got to be the head honcho, right? Uh, the, right. Al- you know, the alpha male, if you will. Right. You know, and I have two former head coaches on my staff, and you know, they can say whatever because they're the assistants. Mm-hmm. You know, they can say the same thing that I say, and the kids take like, "Oh, okay." Mm-hmm. And then you know it comes in, but yeah. So yeah, you got to find that balance of one how to adapt but not lose yourself as a coach when who yeah. you are you know yeah. and we talked about it the culture you know this is what it is and i'm sorry but if you you know one of my assistants the other day we lost to a team that we shouldn't have lost to but we did and you know they're, they're all looking down and everything and he goes i'm just gonna tell you right now that's how q is and if you ta- if you can't take q how are you gonna make it at college Cause those guys put dinner on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we do it because we love the game. We love, we love being out here and coaching you. So if you can't take him, I don't know how are you going to make it college. Cause those guys, yeah, they're going to tell you the best thing since sliced bread until you get on campus, you know? So it's just, it's, it's one, yes, coaching them. And then you do need that support from the parents as well, because yeah. what happens is you, coach them and they go home it's okay it's okay you know and then the accountability part too i think yeah. is huge well Kids like as a parent accountable now yeah like as a parent you know it, it is like that's kind of learning to be a parent too like i need to be able to allow this to, to happen right where it's hurting me inside to see my baby get yeah. yelled at like because i don't want him to be hurt Right. And his feelings hurt and all that stuff. Um, so it's like it's a process, too. Of right. and and also, and I, if you think about it, too, and I asked the, I've, I've asked my players this, what is the definition of discipline? What is discipline in your mind? Like, what do you think discipline is? You know, and the first thing, punishment. And I'm like <laughs> getting yelled at. <laughs> discipline to me is being organized, prepared, you know, um, uh, preparing for the game, preparing for school preparing for life, being organized in life, having your, you know, we talk with Brian Kane and Zach, we talk about having your 168 and 168 hours. And I've, I've talked to my players about that. You know, you have kids, you know, 68 kids, five of them struggle with homework, struggle with grades, you know, and it comes down to, I do my, I get the grades. I look it up and see what's going on, see where they're failing or what's, you know, they're taking an AP class. I, I can kind of get it. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard, but 90% of the time, it's just, they're not turning in homework. There's being lazy. 
or that it's done, but they don't turn it in or whatever it is. And it's like, we got to find a way to get organized. Yeah. You know, and for me, you know, I'm a morning, I'm a five o'clock guy. I work out every morning. Mm -hmm. You know, my morning routine, my AM routine, I have to get it in or my day is not, not good. Yeah. You know, so it's that routine of being prepared and organized is what discipline is, you know, getting up and working out every day, preparing yourself to play a game, doing this, you know? So I think kids these days, when they hear the word discipline, yeah, you know, automatically go to punishment. Yeah. And that's where the teaching and coaching comes in. Right. right. It's like, no, it's like, we're at the end of the day and parents know this too. Like we're preparing you for life, right. We're preparing you for when you do leave the house. Right. You do want to have a routine, right? You do want to be disciplined. And as a dude, as a guy who's going to get married at some point and have kids, it, that's your responsibility as a man, right? To right. go to go in and, and take care of those things and take care of your family. I think your kids are going to eventually want to see, oh, look at my dad. Like he does all these things and look at where he is or how successful he is or how he approaches life, Right. He's not the guy that's, you know, we, we know what happens to those people that are not disciplined, right? Right. And we talked about that. Well, that we talked about that as well as what yeah. is a man, you know, what, what is the definition of a man and what is that? And there's multiple definitions of what a man is, but you know, I struggle sometimes too, is, you know, I got an eight year old son mm-hmm. and then I got 68 kids up at the field that I consider my sons as well. And, you walk that fine line now, these nowadays is how do you teach him to be a man when sometimes we frown upon what a man is? Yeah. And what I mean yeah. is like, you know, tough, strong, you gotta, you know, here, don't cry. It's okay to cry sometimes. Right. I get emotional when I talk about my players, when I talk about my kids at the end of the season, you know, we're a spring sport. So I see them summer, fall, winter, spring and then uh, then they go you know my seniors and i get emotional because i sometimes i spend more time with them than i do with my own kids right yeah you know so it's okay to show feelings but i think there's a fine line of that and that's where we struggle sometimes of teaching our young men how to be men Mm -hmm. you know and with the society that we live in these days it's it's hard sometimes and i struggle with it Sure. Um, yeah, we're human. I think we all do, right? Because <laughs> um, I want my son to be strong, tough, and he's got the biggest heart in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like he goes, "I know, Dad, I can't cry." I'm like, "Well, if it hurts, <laughs> that's one thing, you know. But if you're crying over something that you shouldn't be crying over, then come on, you know, right. I'm just playing catch here. Why are you getting mad at me? I'm trying to help you. So, yeah. That's fantastic, man. Yeah. So you have an eight-year-old son. Tell us, tell us about your kids. What do they, what do they do? I got a 12-year-old daughter, five, she's five, seven. I, I always tell, I always say I want to meet the milkman because I want to thank him because I don't know where she got it. Uh, volleyball. You're talking, huh? you're like, you're like six, one, aren't you? You're no, six, six and shr- six and shrinking, man. Okay. <laughs> Spine, spine's getting smaller. Can I? Yeah. So I got a <laughs> scap jack, scap load, but, um, <laughs> now she's in volleyball club volleyball first year enjoying it you know love seeing the progress of her growing as a as a as a one well, as a daughter you know yeah. going, getting ready to get into well she's in middle school right now and dealing with all that mm-hmm. um 
And then, you know, watching her grow as a volleyball player, because this time last year, I was like, oof, sis, I don't know. We got to work. Yeah. <laughs> but 5'7", yeah. all she has to do is jump up and spike a little bit, and she's learning. And uh, super proud of her. Her last weekend of tournaments is this weekend. So, and then now my boy, 8U, first year of baseball. If he puts his uniform on right, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wear caps and sleeves at this level. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, just, no, nope, you missed a belt loop. Yeah. Nope. We, you know, we wear this. We don't wear a hoodie over the – okay. <laughs> he knows where to go on position-wise. I'm like, okay. There you and go. then, you know, for me, with him, he's eight, you know, and I never wanted to be that dad that uh, wanted to shove baseball down his throat. You're playing baseball. You're doing this. And I wanted him to play if he wanted to play. Right. Um, you know, the, he's right now talking to him, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I don't know who, where this kid – came from but he goes i want to work for nasa and be an engineer and build houses on the side and i'm like who are you you know and start start designing my house that's what you're saying right yeah. and i'm like okay so that's amazing that's oh, yeah. I mean, you know not being biased the kid's intelligent i know he's going to do bigger and better things in baseball Dude, screw, screw baseball, baseball helps him but if baseball, baseball helps well yeah that's what like i said i didn't want to, i wanted him to play i didn't want to force it down him and you know, being around me a lot and around the boys, he wanted to play. So, you know, he gets a lot of help from the other sons, from mm. other kids and coaches. Everybody loves him. Great kid. Both of them. Great kids. Uh, so he's learning the game right now. He's, yeah. you know, he got hit by a pitch. So about two or three weeks, we're uh, jumping out of the box. Oh, yeah. there's a, there, you know? It's 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 very like, you know, when I dabble with lessons, that young age comes in, they're like, and, and it's mom's like, He's terrified of the ball. I'm like, yeah, yeah he's going to be for a little while. He got right. hit. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's, it might take, he might not get back in there until next year. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, we could sit there and throw tennis balls at him or wiffle balls. And like, is that going to do a whole lot? Trying to toughen him up, but that yeah. doesn't. Let, let's yell at him. But even like, you know, it's those point twos. Like, we could throw, <laughs> we could throw batting practice to him or whatever. And he stays in there and he's yeah. got a good little left handed swing, but. And I asked, I said, well, how come you don't step out of the box there? He goes, well, I trust you. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't argue with that, man. So, yeah, yeah, no, they're doing great. Um, but like I said, it's, they're learning. They're both getting into it. She just, she tried middle school volleyball and loved it, which wasn't anything just to kind of a roll the balls out and let's have yeah. some fun Yeah, and got her on a club team. You know, we were late to the game because she decided she wanted to play, but found a team that needed someone and she was five, seven and, Coach, we walked in. The coach looked at her and was like, okay. You're 12? Yeah. Was, we got something here, right? Okay. So yeah. uh, it's fun. You know, and I enjoy doing those things, you know, and coaching and then being able to go watch them play a little bit and sit back and not say anything, even though the baseball coaches, it's slammers. And mm. like, hey, I want you coach third today. I was, and sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm good. Kind of just watch. I yeah. like to watch. Watching's kind or of Or I just, I like to walk around. Right. Do my own thing because I deal with parents every day. Oh, yeah. You know, so yeah. his mom, you know, his coach is a little old, older guy. And we're going to run if we don't do this. We're going to run if we don't do that. We'll do push-ups. And she's like, do you like that? Do you hear how he's talking? And I go, okay. That's what? fine. You're okay with that? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. They need it. Yeah. And he they loves it. it. He's lot. in Taekwondo. Yeah. And Master J is Man, he's part of my yeah. friend. He's a hard ass. Like, right? He's, so, he's very honest. Th this is reminding me. So, my 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 daughters in particular, my my seventeen and fourteen year old, 
They've been watching Dance Moms, oh. <laughs> which is just hysterical, yeah, comical. Yeah. And obviously it's a, it's a show, so there's probably extra drama attached oh. to it. But number one, like how the parents are just like in the room, like th- there's a dance studio below, then the, they're up there kind of chit-chatting. And, yeah. But then sometimes they're in the studio and I'm just, so the what drives me crazy in a way, I'm like, why are they in the room? Right? Is it because yes. they're they're little kids, I guess? But um, that's so, like, why is man, your mom in the dugout right now? Why? Yes. What is she doing? Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, and and so like the like the choreographer, like the the dance instructors are like, I can't operate like this. Like this is my my vision, my creativity, and I got parents right here telling me how to do something wrong or don't talk to my daughter or my kid that way, right? And and he's just trying to coach him. Right. And in his way of what he knows and knows how to do. And yeah, if the voice gets raised a little bit, then the parent can't handle it. Like they're not talking to my kid that way. Right. And it's like, allow it. Right. Allow, allow your kid to like, yeah. If your kid cries, they need to learn how to allow it. They need to learn how to fail sometimes. They need to. Yeah. They need to learn how to feel that emotion of what it feels like for somebody to get on you and, and learn how to work through it. Right. And that's what we have a hard time with as parents, you know, that not my baby. They're not going to talk to my baby that way. I mean, I think I put it as, you know, when I've talked to parents before, it's, you know, you're an accountant. I don't tell you what to do. You know, I let you do your job because I'm not an accountant. I'm a baseball coach. You know, we have 70 plus years of coaching experience up here, you know, but I do have the opposite, too. I have a handful of parents that are hard on their kids. Yeah. You know, I, I, I can name maybe maybe guys. extreme, like go Too past extreme. the line, right? They are extreme, you know, to yeah. where you gotta go, hey, he's on deck. Yeah. Let him play like get out of his ear, right? And you know, the you know, those are the parents once they get in the car or they get home, they're just what are you doing? How why did you do that? You know, and we talk about how we tune out. You gotta tune everything out. Like, guys, I don't your walk up songs you play every game. I could I couldn't tell you what they are or what I don't hear them because I'm tuned in. I like to say I'm three innings ahead of you guys, mm-hmm. you know, so I have no clue, but we got to find a way to tune that out. Cause raise your hand. If it affects you when your dad's yelling at you, when you're on the mound and you don't throw a strike, and they all raise their hands, all yeah. you know, and then I go, okay, well, did your dad play high school or college baseball or any high level baseball? No. Okay listen to them about life and everything else. But when it comes to baseball, you got to find a way to tune that out, man. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, and you're right though, in a way it's extra noise. Right. So right. that's when the player has to be like, okay, yeah, dad's talking to me or chirping at me on deck or on the mound. Now I need to take the responsibility and just tune them out. Right. Like as the player. Right. And then because it's, voice. it's, and it's difficult to, because Hey parent, you need to stop chirping at your son. Because you're, you're you're now the interference. You're the you're the problem, right? Now he's trying to please you instead of focusing on what he needs to you do. Know, and another example too that you run in um, at the high school level is everybody has a coach. Right. You know, you have the head coach and the assistant coaches in the program that see you every day. Right. And you have a hitting coach, whatever. And then you have dad. Mm-hmm. Well, if everybody's talking. You know, the one person that we're affecting or hurting is the kid. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't want to disappoint dad, doesn't want to disappoint his hitting coach, doesn't want to disappoint the head coach. You know, so we try to work with, I don't care if you have a hitting coach, a pitching coach, strength yeah. coach, whatever. Right. But you got, we got to find one voice, you know, and I always go, how many times has your hitting coach been to a game? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever, I'm like, okay. Who's been here every day? You, yep. brother. Okay. I've seen every, you're like, I've seen every one of your yeah. bats, right? We got you on film. You know, uh, we have you on film. We broke down your film. You know, you, you know, you can go to your hitting coach. Well, I popped up three times. He's like, I got it. You're probably dipping. Mm-hmm. 80 bucks. Thank you. You know, and then dad just, who knows? And you have dads, that, you know, I have dads in our program that have played pro ball. John Burke, number one draft pick of the Rockies. His sons came through my program and he was awesome. Like he was hands off. Actually was my bullpen coach uh, mm-hmm. for a while, working the bullpen, getting guys ready. But he was hands off and he was yeah. awesome. But then you have some other dads that played pro ball and they know it all. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have those dads that played pro ball. Uh, take Tony Gwynn, for example. Tony Gwynn just knew how to hit. Might coach it a little bit, but it just came so easy to them. Mm-hmm. They couldn't coach it. You know, I thought I was going to listen to this great speech by Tony Gwynn talking about hitting. He was like, get in the box, stay level, see ball, hit ball. Uh, any, okay. Drills? Ah, top hand, 100 swings, bottom hand, 100 swings, two hands, two 100 swings. There you go. You're like, okay. Mm-hmm. So we're keeping it simple. <laughs> you know, yes. so Kiss method, you, yeah. get, you get all that. And, you know, at the high school level, because those guys who played pro ball, they sometimes don't respect the high school coach because mm-hmm. they don't know. You know, I don't talk about what I, you know, what we talked about at the beginning here in my career. I don't talk about it. I'm done. My days are over. My job is to get you ready. You know, and when I do send kids out to a college visit to Crowder and I'm in the Hall of Fame there and they see my plaque, they go, oh, you could hit. You did play. (laughs) Yes, I did. Yes. But I don't talk about it, you know, so because it's not my time. I always say, let the kids play. Mm -hmm. I'll get in there and swing every once in a while, but I'm 45 and one wrong swing and I'm out for a week with the back injury. So, but yeah, it's just a (laughs) dynamic of 68 kids and they're all different. Yeah. And that's probably the fun part of it, right? It's it is, you know, even even when I struggle with this year, I I feel like it's making me a better coach. Mm -hmm. Because I'm documenting everything. Like, we're, you know, I got my master's with Brian Kane and that certification for his uh, uh, mental sports performance. I'm in that book constantly. Mm-hmm. And whatever I, whatever I did that day, I take a note. That way, if, if it comes back up another year, I can dig back in and be like, okay, we did this. It worked. Um, but it, I feel like it's making me a better coach. Because yeah. I have to dig deep into my toolbox and do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not about the reps. It's not about the situation, you know, everything we do it's off. It's more here that I got to try to figure out and motivate these kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's hard enough to motivate kids anyway to play every day. Well, we talked, remember we talked about too, about the, you can definitely say there's different mindsets because some kids are there. They they're just going to play high school baseball and they know this and right. they're, they're kind of, let's say 50% in, right? right? Then there's the kid that wants to go college or even pro ball or have that even opportunity. Now they're like 90, 100, they're all in, if you will. Right. So 
that would you say that effort level can show up in practices and at the gym? Well, yeah, you know, we talked about it before. You might have a, you know, you might have that kid that's a six four offensive lineman that's going to play football at Wyoming. Yeah. You know, he's there to play baseball because he loves baseball and he happens to be somewhat good at it. You know, um, in our situation, I think a lot of our kids are JUCO guys, mm -hmm. but they're 4.0s. Right. You know, they carry a 4.0 and they're going to go to Auburn, Gonzaga, wherever their parents went to school because they're not D1 players. You know, D, you know, and you know, D1 players, they notice those guys early. Mm hmm. And you're going into your senior year, and yes, there's a place for everybody if they really want to play college baseball. But, you know, we run into our guys, a lot of our guys are JUCO guys. I've had a handful, you were around the time where I had the two-time player of the year, uh, five All-State guys. That year was ridiculous. That comes every once in a while. Mm -hmm. You know, I got kids at KU, GCU, Minnesota, Oral Roberts, and, and they're playing well. But there's also those D2, D3s, and JUCO guys. And the JUCO guys, they want to play baseball. You know, for whatever reason, they don't have a 4.0 grades. That's where they should go, and that's good. But sometimes my my dudes are 4.0s, and they're not a D1 level yet. And they should go JUCO, but they're not because they're 4.0s, and they're going to go on and do bigger and better things. And I have the 21 team that won it had four guys go on and play college baseball. The rest of them are now just going to school. Yeah. You know, out of my starters, four of them were D1 guys. The rest of them, they're all Penn State, Oklahoma, just going to school. Mm -hmm. But they loved the game enough. That group came together. They loved it enough that they wanted to go out on top. Where sometimes you got to find that. How you, as a coach, how do you find that glue to bring them together? Be like, he's going to football. He's going to get his pilot's license. This guy's yeah. doing this. How do we bring that together? And I think that's the fun part sometimes when it comes together. You know, you might struggle at first because everybody's kind of doing their thing. And, but when it comes together, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. And I think sometimes that process of finding that out is the fun part. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, this has been great, man. It's a lot, a lot of stuffs going on out in in your area, and and yeah. a lot of good baseball out here, man. It's it's it's, it's getting yeah. better. A lot of good baseball. It's it's definitely grow. It continues to grow, and we see more and more. Like not that you're a small town, but Denver area, St. George in Utah, like right. kind of some. Not St. George is necessarily a cold climate, but some of the colder climates are. We're seeing better players, right? Continue to, right. to get out there and. So I know you're a big part of that. So kudos to you. So appreciate. Well, man, any other any other stories or words of wisdom you want to leave with us here? Man, just get your mind right, man. Like I say it every day. You know, it's game day, so my text to the boys is get your mind right. You know, and I say it every day. We've had on 21, we put it on our state championship rings because, mm. and that culture that we've built as a baseball program as far as getting your mind right and all this stuff. It's fun walking the hall or in the Highland Ranch area, which is kind of a small community as well as I'll see a mom or a dad or an, another coach walking down the aisle because I'm going to the grocery store and they see me and they go, get your mind right. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you yeah. know, it's touching Love and it. it's yeah. growing and, you know, and that, and I think, um, 
it's fun seeing the little kids as well, like that want to come to Vista. You know, we built the program and the culture to where it is. And it's fun. You know, one of my goals back in the day was, you know, Rocky Mountain, you're familiar with Rocky Mountain. They won four straight. Well, we played them in the playoffs and I looked around and there was these little kids running around with Rocky Mountain t-shirts. Yeah. Rocky Mountain baseball everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's where I want my program to be when it's all said and done. I want kids running around with Mountain Vista hats and baseball stuff. And we're there, which is fun. You know, it's um, when you're eating at a restaurant, like Los Dos is one of our favorite areas around here. And there's a little kid playing for the Warriors. And I just sit down and I hear, that's Coach Q. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and you hear that and it, it's fun. And then you turn around and you're like, hey, man, did you play today? How are you doing? And then the dad, and then here comes dad. Well, his right. stats. <laughs> All right, he's in, he's a, he's in sixth grade. We'll yeah we'll put it off, but yeah. we have camps, so come on out. You yeah. know, so it's fun and building the culture. You know, and that's where it is. Um, once you establish that culture, you know, it's fun. Yeah, you know, that small. You know, Colorado's big. It's a city. It's not like uh, Neosho, Missouri, or these small towns where everybody grows up and the town shuts down when it's game day or whatever. But I tried to bring that, I wanted to bring that small town family vibe to our city or little suburb of uh, Highlands Ranch. And mm -hmm. we're there and it's fun. So we just got to keep grinding. We got another tough one tonight and hopefully we can play. I got my coaches out there on the field right now. So I haven't got a call yet. So that's good. Yeah, you're good. All right. Yeah. Well, dude, this has been outstanding. Congrats, you know, with your success and everything that's going Appreciate on. It. We'll definitely be in touch and, Keep uh keep that culture up. You're obviously touching a, a lot of lives, like a lot of a lot of bodies every year. And oh, you got these kids yeah. coming up. And like you said, it's like you're creating almost that college atmosphere where kids want to be there, right? And like right. I can't I can't wait to get to to Mountain Vista, right? When I when right. I grow up and get in that weight room. So thanks for coming on, Q, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Take care. Thank you.